Good evening. This is the Tomorrow Christian Today, reading Numbers 12 in the NLT. But first and always, we pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much uh, for your kindness, for your love. Thank you for the Bible study I had today. It was awesome. Uh, thank you for Revelation 1. Thank you for Jesus, Lord. Thank you for your son. He is awesome. We love him. And we thank you, Lord, for sending him. And we thank you for the revelation that he gave to your servant, John, and it's part of the scriptures, and we want to know, we want to dive into your words, Lord. We don't want to be afraid. We want to go forward. We know we might get it wrong, Lord. We have the Holy Spirit, and the Bible says we're loved. And you know what, Lord? That's good enough for me. So I know that. I know we're loved. I'm glad that I have the privilege, the opportunity to read your word. Just chisel us, Lord. Just transform us. Just keep us focused on your Son in our hearts. And the things of this world will not bother us. We will try to help people, of course, but we won't be defined by negativity and emotional depression and emptiness and vapidness. Is my prayer, my hope, and my plea in the name of Christ our King. Amen. Yeah, you know, I had a discussion today because we're supposed to do, we're following, um, you know, there's uh, Discover the Bible Ministries on uh, YouTube. It's uh, Dr. John Barnett, Baptist uh, preacher and teacher, just awesome, awesome teacher. And he had like the 52 greatest chapters in the Bible. So we were following that. I'm following that in the Bible study that we have on Thursday. This is the people that I met at my place of work. I'm the only guy working. Everybody else is retired. And my Baptist mentor got three kinds of cancer. And I was like, he's going to die. And you know what? He just bounced back. They're giving him... Um, hormones and stuff like that for prostrate, something in the bones and something in his stomach. And I was like, he's going to die by the end of the summer. And you know what? I see him today and he looks great for 81. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. This man is supernatural. Please pray for this man. You don't know him. He's 81. He's a Baptist. He has influenced my life so much. He is a kind man. And I just love him to death. He's like one of the fathers that I have. I've got so many fathers. I'm truly the luckiest man on earth. So we were discussing Revelation because it's part of Dr. Barnett's um, series. Actually, we're at the end, Revelation 1, 2, and 3. And there was like this kind of take that I saw on YouTube and also from the people. Like people are afraid to talk about Revelation there. They don't preach it in the church or they don't want to teach it or, or it's just too much or people are afraid about it or there's a lot of metaphors. People get confusion. Like it says in Revelation, it says this, and I think we discussed this when we did do it. I know I did it in a backwards way, but it was like, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. And it says, who's speaking here? It's the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. We're his servants. We're his people. Okay? Maybe you don't feel so servanty. You don't feel his people. You don't feel perfect. Nobody's perfect. We're all broken. Okay? But God is transforming us. Today in the U version, um, the verse of the day was about the Holy Spirit. I forgot exactly what it was. And the Bible Project, I love those guys, Dr. Tim Mackey. And I think the other guy's name is John. I forgot his name. I think they're both PhD guys, but they're really, they seem like really genuine guys. And, you know, Dr. Mackey saying in the video, it's about energy. The Holy Spirit is ruhak. It's whole, it's breath. It's energy. That's what God is giving us. Energy to understand his word. Supernatural energy. Good energy. And it's about reading God's word and not being afraid. So what if you read it and get it wrong? 
you're not going to get it wrong. Even if you don't see all the big details, you can read it by yourself. So I don't personally, I'm not here to tell anybody what to think. I ask people to think about what I tell you and like, don't be afraid to read God's word. Because if there's anybody making you afraid, it's the devil. The devil is trying to reach into your own fears. Don't read God's word. You don't want to hear what your savior has to say to you. Just put it away. Just be confused. Just be scared. Don't read God's word. Just it's, it's totally unfathomable. You can't get it. Well, I tell you, God's not going to say that to you. Jesus is not going to say that to you. The Holy Spirit's not going to say that to you, but the devil's going to say that to you. Let's read Numbers 12. The complaints of Miriam and Aaron. While they were at Hazeroth, Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because he had married a Cushite woman. They said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? But the Lord heard them. Now Moses, who was very humble, more humble than any person on earth. Now I wonder if Moses wrote that. Hey, I'm the most humblest person on earth, in my humble opinion. I don't think Moses would have wrote that. He, shouldn't, he wouldn't have wrote it in third person. But I think he was very humble. And maybe he was very arrogant when he was 40. Maybe he did walk around thinking, you know, I'm better than everybody else. And I've been educated in the highest universities in Egypt. Because his mother was like, the, his stepmother was like a princess, right? So maybe he was. And, but, but maybe, you know, he went into the wilderness. He had to, you know, he had to live with God. He had to be alone with God. He had to trust in God. I'm sure the Moses at 80, who was older, is a lot different than the Moses at 40. And, you know, you can't blame the guy for being a little bit arrogant, but he was 40 years old. Hey, I got married at 40. You know, I got married at 40, and I, I, I'm not saying that I'm like super, uh, you know, but, but we all got pride and narcissism going on. We all, that's what sin is. It's an anti-relationship. It's us being God. We're all broken by sin. We all still have sin. I mean, God sometimes allows us to learn lessons. He, he says, those whom I love, I chastise. You get chastised by God. Some of it is not your fault. Some of it, it, I brought it on myself. Lord, I'm sorry. I was putting my will ahead of yours. I mean, own it. You know, my pastor said, you know, there's, there's a difference between people who go to Tim Hortons and throw something in the garbage and they say, oh, this bathroom smells. And then, hey, you go to a church and it's like, okay, the bathroom is a little uh, untidy. And you say, hey, you know what? I'm a member of this church. I'm going to tidy this up. I'm going to own it. You know, we, we're going to own our salvation. God gave us salvation, but it's us for us to accept. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. Jesus said, I'm meek and humble, and you shall find rest for your souls. And it, the Bible says, Jesus says, one of the commandments are the meek shall inherit the earth. If you're proud and narcissistic, God can't talk to you because you're unteachable. The Pharisees knew that Jesus was who he said he was. They were envious of him because they were wondering, why is God speaking to him and not to us? I can tell you why. Because Jesus, even though he'd never sinned and he was God in the flesh, he was humble. He was teachable. He was malleable. He was a human being. And, and as human beings, we got to be malleable and teachable. Nobody knows everything. Nobody knows. He didn't, Jesus didn't even know when he was coming back. The Father didn't want to tell him that. He said, only my Father in heaven knows. The angel, uh, he said, the angels don't know. Only my Father in heaven knows. Jesus did. He knew he was coming back. He had a faith about how it's all going to play out. But he doesn't even know when he's coming back. So how, how, can he know, how can he be God? One person in my church said, I don't know, but I don't think that, I think for him to be God in a fleshy body means he doesn't know everything, but he's sinless. He never sinned. He had the Holy Spirit without measure poured on him in John 6. That's my, that's my hermeneutic. You don't have to agree. 
verse 4. So immediately the Lord called to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam and said, Go out to the tabernacle, all three of you. So the three of them went to the tabernacle. This doesn't sound good. Um, then the Lord descended in the pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tabernacle. Aaron, Aaron and Miriam, he called, and they stepped forward. And the Lord said to them, Now listen to what I say. If there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, would reveal myself in visions. I would speak to them in dreams, but not with my servant Moses. Of all my house, he is the one I trust. I speak to him face to face clearly and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. So why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? Do I think that Moses looked at God face to face? No, I think this is a metaphor. You say, who are you to criticize the Bible? What I'm saying is that I have heard that to talk to, to seek God's face is to talk to him friend to friend. And I think what God is saying is that Moses is a cut above everybody else. Because Moses wanted to see what God is and God said, no man can see my face and live. And Moses did not see God's face, he saw the back parts of God. He did see God, but he didn't see the face. I think in this human incarnation, we cannot see God and live. I mean, it'll be like that Indiana Jones movie. Remember that first one? It was brutal. Those guys looked into the ark, and those things came out and consumed them. I know it's a really secular, silly movie, but remember, a Jewish guy made that, and it was a blockbuster. And maybe he, that's the Jewish secular mind. The power comes out from God or from the ark, and it consumes you because you're still a sinner in a sinner's body. And those two boys, Aaron's two sons, you know what happened when they tried to burn strange fire before God? They got fried and barbecued. Okay, you can't see God in his form, in, in our present form. We're going to die. But he is saying to them, you guys are not at Moses' level. And I think both of them, I mean, Aaron was a priest and, and Miriam did prophesy. Uh, but they complained. And I was wondering, what's the difference between a complaint and a lament? I think I looked this up on chat GPT. And it was a pretty good answer, but I don't quite remember the answer. So, hey, if you got chat GPT, you can ask it. What's the difference between a complaint and a lament? Because the children of Israel were complaining quite a bit. And God said, okay, I'm going to give you meat. And then you get meat and they started to die. Like, I don't know if God really likes complaints. Like, so does that mean you shouldn't complain to God? Well, you know, if you're going to tell God what's in your heart. I mean, my pastor said that one third of the Psalms are laments. And I'm thinking, when I talk to God, do I lament to God or do I complain to God? Maybe God doesn't like it. I mean, God said, take up your cross and follow my son. Does that mean you're not allowed to be real and honest and open with God? I don't think so. I just think that if you're comp always complaining, complaining, complaining about your lot in life to be a Christian, I think you're sending a signal to God that you don't really want to do this. You're, you're, you know what I mean? It's like when you got kids, and you want to talk to them and you want to have a relationship with them and they don't even want to talk to you. And all they do is complain, complain, complain that you didn't do what they wanted. Like, it's it's going to make you bitter. And there's a lot of um, uh, there's a lot of YouTube videos and I'm seeing women are just like, oh, you didn't do this and you didn't do that. You didn't do this and you didn't do that. I think it turns men off. I mean, you know, it's like, hey, she's got to put up with you, but hey, you got to put up with her too. I don't think men should have to take the complaints. Like, if you can do a better job, maybe you can find a better person. Maybe that's what you need to do. I mean, sometimes a guy does something wrong and a wife says, hey, you know what, you can do better. You can, and, and you can remind the guy. 
But nagging and complaining, I don't think that makes for a good wife. But then again, if you're doing it to your wife, I don't think that makes you a good husband either. Oh, you didn't cook good food or you didn't wear the clothes that I like or something like that. Like complaining and nagging goes on both sides. I don't think God likes complaining. It makes him think that you don't have an attitude of gratitude. And I'm saying this because when I heard my pastor say that, I was wondering, have I complained to God in the past? I think I have. Have I over complained? I think I have. I think I want to be really careful with that. I, I really do. Like, I think you have to fear God a little bit. Like, if you're going to complain, complain, complain to God, you know, God has a lot of patience, but he's going to figure, hey, you don't like being with me. So maybe you, should, you need to leave. Yeah, there is a difference between a complaint and lament. Because, I mean, the book of Lamentations with Jeremiah, you know, that, that's an interesting book, I think. That's, that's one that's one that will be interesting to get into when we do study. Like I said, I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. And so, you know, I mean, I wonder how Moses is feeling. Like, hey, God's defending me. Like, I don't know. That, that would be a lot of swelling pride. I'd have to say I'd be feeling pretty good about myself. But I do feel bad they're, getting, they're getting chewed out by God. You know, Adam and Eve got chewed out by God and he loved them, but they got chewed out when they didn't trust him, right? And, and now these two are getting chewed out. Like they think they can complain to Moses. You know, I've heard a lot of pastors say, you know what? I've, I've heard some of the interim pastors that came to my church and I heard my pastor that baptized me. Um, I, my, my newest pastor, I don't know, he hasn't said anything or maybe he hasn't said anything to me, but I did hear somebody say, uh, if you were a pastor, draw a big bullseye on your back. And um, it's a thankless job. Like, I would never be a pastor. I think the Word of God is great. I think I'm very open. I think I let people um, speak their mind because to, to me, dialogue is about dialogue. It's not about me forcing you to listen to my opinion. I'm just babbling on right now, but I'm just reading God's Word. You don't have to agree with anything I said. You can, you can agree to disagree with me in an agreeable way. Or you can disagree with me in an agreeable way, however that works for you. And I can disagree with you in an agreeable way. I think that's really the Christian walk. Because we're never going to agree on everything. Our, our points of commonality, for me, is Jesus is my Savior. Um, God is my Father. The Holy Spirit comes from them. Um, read the Bible every day. It's God's Word. He's speaking to you. And pray without ceasing. And that will transform you to want to have compassion and forgiveness. It's about, for me, it's about relationships first. And I guess I'm going to say something that's pretty dangerous. I don't care about all these hermeneutics. I don't care. They're, they're, they're a distant second to me. I don't care if you have the um, knowledge of men and angels and if you're a loveless person. And I'm not saying I'm super loving, but to me, Jesus is speaking relationships first and information second. Trusting in the Lord and leaning not onto your understanding means... It's okay for you to have an opinion, but don't lean on it and say, I'm right. Because some people have to be right. And when my Baptist mentor, we were talking about Revelation today, and he was saying, you know, it's good for us to be corrected. Sure, we, we can be in a group and we can, as he said, you know, if I say something wrong, shoot me down. And I said, sir, I would never shoot you down because he's just a very loving man. I just, I just really, he's very humble. He's very loving. And I say, you know, there's a way you can knock somebody, you can disagree with somebody but you can disagree with them in a kind way. Because if I say, no, you're totally wrong. You're totally off. You're totally don't know what you're saying. 
it's just not a spirit of kind correction. It's a spirit of, of militant um, disagreeableness. And I think I have seen a lot of Christians who in the name of God think that they're right and everybody's got to bow down to them. And I'm not going to do that. I think the lady who started the church that I came from, I think she started out in a very kind way. But you know what? Her writing and her power got to her head. And she started saying, wow, people are listening to me. I'm making money here. Yeah, God is speaking through me. No, he's not. Okay, God is speaking through you in a way that God is speaking to everybody else. But she went and exalted herself, and then the church exalted her too. Oh, she's speaking for God. That's one of the fundamental beliefs. No, she's not. She's not speaking for God on the level that a big P prophet is in the Old Testament. And she's certainly not on the level with Jesus. No freaking way. I'm sorry. No. And I think there's a lot of nutbags walking around in Christianity who think that somehow God has given them the authority to speak whatever they want over lots of people. And everybody's got to agree with them. And the answer for me is no, you're not. You're just some guy, you're a little fish, or you're a big fish in a little pond, and you think you're better than everybody else. And that's not meek and humility, that's pride and narcissism, okay? That's my opinion and I'm entitled to it. And you don't have to agree with me. But I would really wanna be clear that this exercise is not about my opinion. I have an opinion. I mean, I do have a brain, I'm not just good looking. I'm not that good looking, but you know what I mean? But the thing is, this podcast is not about what I think. This podcast, I mean, this podcast is squarely about Jesus as the King. And read God's Word, because Jesus takes you to God, our Father. That's really it. And however you want to do it, if you want to worship on Saturday or Sunday, you want to read the King James or the NLT, you want to wear a suit to, to church, or you want to go in your casual, that's between you and God. I have no control of that and I don't really care. It's up to you what you want to do with your salvation. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I'll listen to anybody. I listened to Derek Prince today and he said, you know what? I decided 52 years ago, I have to surrender my preconceived notions. I have to be humble and meek. I, have to, I want to hear what God has to say to me and I want to read this book. This is this guy, Derek Prince, and he said, if you've never been amazed and you've never been wowed and you've never been taken aback, he says, you've never read your Bible. And I find him to be very humble and meek. He's dead now, but it's not a really guy I've really heard about before, but I listened to his teaching today and I've heard about him in the past and listened to him. I find him to be absolutely a wonderful teacher. He's not a big P prophet, but he seems to be a very humble man who's very educated very much like David Pawson. Anyways, why am I rambling so much? I'm talking too much. I had too good a day. That's my problem. That's my problem. Um, so God asked these people, why are you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? Well, they were not afraid to criticize a true prophet, but, but I'm not afraid to criticize a false prophet, which is what I have done um, by speaking against the person who founded my original church. I've had wonderful memories there, but I had to leave because I could not agree with that fundamental belief that she has divine inspiration. Okay, that, that's a lot of word salad and it's a lot of um, um, very dicey words. Verse nine, the Lord was very angry with them and he departed. As the cloud moved from above the tabernacle, there stood Miriam 
her skin as white as snow from leprosy. When Aaron saw what had happened to her, he cried out to Moses, Oh, my master, please don't punish us for the sin we have so foolishly committed. So he knew he had sinned. Don't let her be like a stillborn um, baby already decayed at birth. Wow. That's, I, I wonder, you know, her, her skin went white with leprosy. I mean, Lord, is this like overkill? Like, is the Lord angry here? Is this like, wow, you know, this is kind of like hard to, 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 to bear. Like, this is one of those, I'm amazed at this moments. Uh, definitely, Mr. Mr. Prince, I'm reading my Bible and this is freaking me out, kind of. Verse 13, so Moses cried out to the Lord, Oh God, I beg you, please help please heal her. I'm sure he's not like, yeah, you know, you were like criticizing me and I'm so happy now. You got what you deserved. I don't think he was doing that. He's, you know, we, we, we don't like it when people do stuff to us, but when we see them getting punished in front of us, you know, that compassionate part of us cries out. Obviously he's very compassionate. Yeah, he's in the right, but he's very compassionate. But the Lord said to Moses, if her father had done nothing more than spit in her face, wouldn't she be defiled for seven days? So keep her outside the camp for seven days, and after that she may be accepted back. So Miriam was kept outside the camp for seven days, and the people waited until she was brought back before they traveled again. So I'm assuming when, um, you know, again, seven days, that's very significant. I'm assuming when she came back into the camp, she was healed. So she definitely got a timeout for seven days. You know, Noah was sitting in that ark for seven days before, the, before it started to rain. And if the world was created in seven days, whether that's true or not, I mean, seven is, is the number of completion. God rested on the seventh day because all was at rest. Rest could be he rested physically, but I don't think God was tired, but it was like everything was in harmony. Relationships were in harmony. And I think there's a lot of relationships that people are trying to do without God. And YouTube shows that they're not working. They're not relationships of rest. They're relationships of angst, and a lot of emotional turbulence and a lot of unhappiness and crying. And only with God are you ever going to have a restful relationship with another human being who is going to be, you're going to be able to love that person in an other-centered way. I'm not a social scientist. I'm just telling you from my own experience what I've learned and what I see on YouTube. Those people are validating that God is the creator of relationships, even if they don't acknowledge the creator of the relationships. Sorry, they're acknowledging that the principles that God has laid down work because they've tried to live their life without God and it ain't working. It ain't working. So Miriam was kept outside the camp for seven days and the people waited until she was brought back before they traveled again. Then they left Hazeroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. Thank you for indulging my opinions. And thank you for listening to God's word in the NLT. And God bless you all till we see each other again through the podcast. All the best.